Well, hello. Thank you so much for checking out podcast episode number one. This is with This Guy Edits. That's me, Sven. And I'm here with my good friend and filmmaker, Tyler. Tyler Dana, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I have to ask, is it Dana or Dana? I keep forgetting. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Dana. Perfect. And we've known each other for how many years? Um, more than 10. So I, sh more I should know this, but I still am confused. Mm. Doesn't matter. What we're talking about today <laughs> is scene analysis from an editing point of view. So we're picking one scene every time. We'll take a look at it with you together. So we picked a scene that is on YouTube readily available. We're going to hit start together, take a look at it, and then just give you some insights about how it's edited, what's great about it, what is some stuff that we can learn when it comes to our own storytelling. So let's get started. All right, this clip that we're going to look at is from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man now 2002 and we're posting the link for it of course like Sven made clear the reason that we chose this clip is not because it was important in either of our lives or anything like that we were merely trying to figure out how to go about doing this podcast came across this clip as an example that we could post in full and watch it with you so that is why we landed on Sp Spider-Man from Sam Raimi because it's just the first one that came up when I kind of did this rough test and then we watched it and we're like oh Hey, you know, we got we got some stuff to say about this. Now, Sven, or I watched it at least. Exactly. Do you have anything? Do you have anything you want to say about this, Sven? Well, I haven't watched it, and I actually thought we were talking about a whole different Spider-Man movie. Now I see there's Tobey Maguire in there, so I might have actually seen that scene many years ago. So I'm excited to see what the editing is about. Good. I'm sure you did. And a couple things I want to point out about this scene, just story-wise, of where this is in the story as far as I remember from 2002 or whenever I last saw it. Um, I thought it was kind of a cool scene for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a fight scene. But two, it's a fight scene that actually has kind of character-driven meaning throughout it. And story is changing literally through the entire scene, which is very cool. And you take this movie, which is just like, you know, a classic hero's tale of a boy becoming a man, a boy becoming a Spider-Man or whatever it is. And that's all kind of encapsulated just in this one fight scene. We literally get to see him go from the nerdy kid at school who's afraid and his instinct is to run away to realizing he has these powers that actually work well in combat. So it's kind of a fun way to see a scene play out um, and the other thing I love about this movie that we'll talk about is and no one's ever really talked about this but the puberty metaphor throughout as he's becoming a man he's kind of just like shooting uh, very symbolic goo out of his hands because that was a big thing why'd they make it I guess in the comics it's it's uh, something that he built the web slinging ability and he built or he chemically created the webbing and stuff like that whereas from this movie it comes from inside of him so I mean you make you make what you want of that now I'm thinking about it I didn't think about it before <laughs> but cool <laughs> well good now think about it through this this whole scene is kind of a microcosm of the entire thing all right here we go right now we're at the zero 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 mark and we're going to hit play in three two one okay so Toby's sitting down Little Uri Geller effect there. <laughs> and then we realize, oh, it's not actually magnetic, it's something else. So there's a there's a setup and there's a payoff in that regard. New setup, 
set up here and <laughs> pay off and that's setting up <laughs> now the main conflict in this scene so it was like three beats to get to this point now where we understand what the scene is really about yeah and you kind of see him that character kind of become a villain too yeah also. and it, this is really important that he's like let's stop here for a second that he like he stopped at two at 51 seconds uh that he carried that tray behind him because that helps us understand oh now our villain makes the connection he understands what happened because before that he didn't know who threw this food at him and what happened right um so visually that's a really important story point that you could have not have cut out um to continue yeah. with the story because then the, the the villain wouldn't have had any motivation and it's handled in a really fun creative way too which is yeah. which is something it's that i mean yeah i mean with this whole movie sam raimi brings such a specific perspective to it in the camera work let's say in, even in avengers infinity war there's just not that anymore because a lot of stuff is so compromised by 3d um there's two or three cameras going all the time this is almost like you know hitchcock level in terms of the way the story is being told visually and then we get into a big fight scene and we're going to see how it continues to be told visually shot by shot through it totally you can see he is a filmmaker at work this is not just somebody trying to like get through the day and get through the scenes somebody that really thought about it visually how to tell that story and you can sense a little evil dead in there too i think <laughs> yeah of course um so should we hit play we're at 51 seconds we're yeah. gonna hit play in three two one we're establishing a new scene without really any master shot we're keeping it tight just to kind of keep the audience a little disoriented to be in his head that, that feels like the shot on the eyes is really significant i think we can talk about that in a moment um, mm -hmm. because it's setting up this it's not a dream Power sequence that he has. but it's like this we're now in a different reality yeah kind of thing and, and then we get into the fight and um, we still haven't had a master shot in this whole thing which is amazing that the screen direction is working so well yeah. and there it is there's our one master yeah. shot yeah this far into it so it's kind of putting you in his perspective also and that we're kind of lost we're confused we're scared we just you know angered this bully i just want to get to my locker wait a second there's a fist coming and then now he's kind of was able to kind of take we were able to kind of orient as he did as to oh i'm in a fight <laughs> and i'm not this scared is, yeah this is very well choreographed storyboarded um point of view shots are really thought about like, I have the sense they already kind of knew how they're going to edit the sequence before they shot it. Which For sure. Which oftentimes is not the case. Like, you kind of find it in the editing. Yeah, and then lingering on these shots here at the end is such a powerful choice with the editing because you kind of get to see the character's reactions to... How is his life going to be affected by people ha him having this power? Mary Jane's he's excited at first. Mary Jane's scared. Soon to be villainous. Harry Osborn is, you know, he doesn't get off of the the power trip with it. Um, that's that's the end of the clip. So it's as an editor, it's fun. I mean, you can the fight was very storyboarded, but those shots you can see how an editor can play with that and really let that kind of mini character arc happen, yeah. which is the most important part of that fight and the reason for it. Um, I don't know if we should go back through it or how we should do this, but for me, I mean, it's you kind of get to see the metaphor 
of the story with great power comes great responsibility and you see him kind of realize he has that power and kind of like the thrill that comes over him for a moment and then you kind of see it dawn on him what that means and he and he's and he's terrified again yeah what's great about the scene is that uh, character is being revealed through cinema not through dialogue um so you get to see his change as he experiences it so that's that's a very pretty good scene so i would suggest we go back to 57 seconds that's the shot the extreme close-up of toby's eyes and just sort of watch that in slow motion. Now, can I do yeah. slow-mo here? Shift-L, yes, no. I and with the sound design as well, we learned this is the infamous spidey senses being activated. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going frame by frame. Okay. This is obviously CGI, paper airplane. Mm -hmm. The fly CGI, but is the set CGI? It doesn't look like it. This looks like... I mean, they definitely got references <laughs> from the actual set. Yeah, probably reference stills that they then used in After Effects or whatever they use to, right. uh, <laughs> to create the actual shots. And then I find it interesting that that first fist, what do you call that, the jab or whatever he did there? Yeah, the punch. The first punch is still kind of these alternate reality and then mm -hmm. the hit brings us back into the real yeah. world. Yeah. It's a great way to break out of the spidey senses and back into Peter Parker's life. And that's kind of like that hit, like we're saying a few shots later, the hit and the stakes escalate through this whole thing also. It's like, oh, he's yeah. here. Oh, crap. Now the girl's here. And then right here at 126, <laughs> when he puts his hands up is where we're, okay, this is where we are. This is our reality. Yeah, and then 133 will back into Parker's head. Yeah, good point. Yeah, which is like another fun thing of we're in on a whole thing that with him that none of the characters in the scene are. Yeah, I love the shot <laughs> on the three girls, the upside down right. boom shot. Yeah, um, that's cool. And that really reminds me of Evil Dead. Yeah. And also, I mean, with that, it's kind of like, to me, that scene never felt... And again, this isn't a scene we've like sat around thinking about our whole lives. It's just the first one that felt applicable to what we're doing that we found on YouTube when typing in full movie scene. But, um, you know, the other thing about it is it never felt like a fight scene to me. You know, it just felt like a, a fun story scene. And then you realize, oh, wow, this is really an incredibly well-photographed fight scene that's provided a lot of fun opportunities for the editor to kind of add like the danger to it and then the fun to it and you know the fun dynamic camera angles and i mean it's just a fight in a high school and yet it's such like a in a tiny hallway and it's such like a fully realized kind of cinematic experience it's a good note to future filmmakers yeah no i mean the question is really what can an editor take away from the scene and what can a director take from the scene for both i think it's really look this is uh, this is how you do cinema this is how you tell a story in a visual way, with action and without words. Um, I think it's more important for the director when he sort of choreographs the scene to keep that in mind. There's so many ways you can do a scene when it comes to blocking and composition. And 
oftentimes direct us to sort of the conventional way, which is like lots of medium shots, lots of locked off cameras on talking heads. And once you, once you play with the scene and the blocking, you can give the actors a lot to do where you sort of give them some business. And as soon as you do that, that immediately forces your hand with the camera and then gives you more possibilities in the editing as well. Um, yeah. So that's a great scene for that. Absolutely. And then and also story-wise, you know, from a writing perspective, it's, it's so clearly written. It's not just like, okay, now they have to go get the papers back, do a chase. It's he's, you know, we're seeing like a full character arc from Tommy McGuire kind of almost in every scene. <laughs> Um, and like during the fight and then at the end too, that's where, you know, an editor really gets a lot to play with in terms of the drama and character development with those looks after the fight to really let that play out and kind of see people connecting through the eyes and just how Peter feels at the end of it puts him right back into the same place he was at when all this started, but things have escalated for him. Things are worse. So it's like a great example of what we're always looking for with editing and storytelling too is, is are things escalating, you know? How long do you need to hold on? The, like, how dramatic can we make this beat at the end? You don't want to breeze over it, and they really kind of hang out in it. So Yeah. It's also interesting cool. that they end the scene on Kirsten. I don't know what her character's name is, but that's sort of at the end, she takes it Mary Jane in. Watson. There well, let's go. say that you two... Well, yeah, and that's a great, a great kind of straight man to be kind of taking this whole thing in through, who, is, who does, at least in this scene, and we don't know if that was YouTube's choice that it ends there or not, sure. but at least in this scene, she's definitely representing the stakes kind of the whole story because she's always the thing, the grounded thing that's at risk. The one, it's like his Achilles heel almost, at least one of them, and it's cool to see that uh, her fear is the thing that really like snaps him back in, into place, which has nothing to do with editing, but... Absolutely. Okay, well, do you want to do a little wrap-up for it? Yeah, we can. I mean, this is sort of an experiment to see how can we, like, look at a scene and then instinctively react to it and see if there's some something to be learned. I think it's really good to watch a lot of movies, and that's helpful to become a better filmmaker. But then you got to dig a little deeper. you got to, like, look at some scenes that you think really made you feel something, and this could be an example of that. And then ultimately, you got to take action. So take some of that insight and turn it into whatever, a short, a, a small scene that you practice with. And I think that's sort of what's good about this podcast that we're trying to do is to give you a small little glimpse and then ask the question for us as well, what can we do with this? What things do you think they should take out of this primarily as, as, a, as an editor? Um. Definitely appreciate when you have footage that is cinematic, so that tells the story um, visually and try to honor that in the editing, so respect that. If you have a director that storyboarded a scene, try to understand the concept before you go into it. Um, that can be helpful. Like when I'm editing, I'm super um, instinctive, so sometimes I'll try something completely different. And for this particular scene, I would probably be a little bit more prepared before I cut it. Right. And also I could see how looking at the dailies of this could be overwhelming in terms of, I mean, cause you know, on fight scenes, there's, they're playing the whole thing out and then you have him doing flips and there's these, I bet there were a lot of options. I would assume for those very special shots, like the one you liked of the awesome. upside down shot and yeah. stuff like that. That whole dream with the fly. Spidey senses. Hey, spidey senses. There you go. That could all have happened in post. 
like they had maybe a glimpse of that idea um, and then they mm -hmm. really expanded on it in the editing. That's totally possible. Yeah, and yet I would say they did have, in terms of the way that the line is kind of played with, they definitely had some control over that level of kind of being lost. Because when it gets to his fist in that scene, it's really like a surprise, you know? Because yeah. you think you have a sense of the room and you're going around seeing things and then you know he's going to see something, but then it's a fist like right in your face. It's like, oh, what's happening? And you really feel that he's going to get tagged by it. Was and this film shot before or after The Matrix? Um, uh, this was I after The Matrix. After, yeah. It was definitely after. That fist feels like the bullet scene in Matrix 1. A little mm. bit. Well, we'll have to do... Maybe we'll do Matrix 1 next week. And <laughs> see. I think we have to now. That's how, <laughs> that's how the show works till we start getting some, some choices from the listeners. Actually, I wanted, um, I wanted to do one in 12 Years a Slave, which we can do next time, or... Yeah, well, you should you should have you should have tied Spider-Man to Twelve Years a Slave. And <laughs> so that scene <laughs> with the fist is like in Twelve Years a Slave. When <laughs> no, I think he had I think he had blackberries on his lunch tray, uh, that, okay. like he was using to write with in, in Twelve Years a Slave. So I, I think just for me to I would say it's a cool study of of using the line and breaking it for its. It's actually never broken in this, but how you know, really good filmmakers do respect it and, you know, try not to have a free-for-all. Like, at least knowing and acknowledging those fundamentals can serve you really well as a filmmaker and editor also. Totally. Okay, so you as a listener, let us know if you noticed something about the scene when you watched it a couple of times. Uh, leave it in the comment section and uh, let us also know if you enjoyed this and if you want to hear more. Thanks for listening and hopefully we'll see you next time. <laughs> or you'll hear us next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shows about tweakers. There's no same zone to put your head between the speakers. There's no same zone to put your head between the speakers.